get going in three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Run GMC podcast. Today, I've got a special episode for you guys. I've been mentioned to it a lot to a lot of my friends. You know, I, I talked to a person on Xbox who is a Students for Trump president at a school, and we had a great hour-long conversation out of nowhere. And I think it's really important for everyone to hear out uh, his point of view and what he has to say, because it was really eye-opening for me. And that man is Braden Peterson. Braden, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. That's good, boss. So what you been up to today? Um, today, I've just been going to work. Um, it's living the life, you know. I'm trying to make money so I can go to school in the fall. I like it. I like it. How much is the... So what, what school do you go to, first off? I go to Utah Valley University in Orem, Utah. Okay, perfect, perfect. And I think you said at the beginning, it's like 15 minutes away from BYU, right? Yep. Okay. In 15 minutes of each other, so there's students everywhere around here. Awesome, awesome. What are you majoring in right now? I'm majoring in information technology, network administration, and security. Um, so actually, it's not nothing to do with politics at all. Information networking? Information technology, network administration, and security. Kind of long. Yeah, it is a long one. Is it a long, uh, so what does that entail? Um, I mean, it's a pretty wide range of things. Um, I'm actually looking at getting a cybersecurity master's degree in the future here. Um, that's kind of, that's just a goal right now. But information technologies, I mean, it's coding. It's, I mean, it's a lot of things, just basically anything with the computer, mobile device. Anything. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So does, uh, is Utah Valley like known for, for like that kind of program or? Is this like offered at a lot of different schools now? Because I've never heard of this till now. Well, you've probably heard of IT. Yes. I've, it's, oh, it's, that's, that's information technology, yeah. Bam, bam. Okay, solves that. All right, I had to get that out of the way. I'm a curious person, so I had to know. So you also said, where, where do you work at? You work at a place that uh, you, you're working with eBay, right? I work, at, I work at a place called EcoSwift, and I run their eBay account, yes. So, so people know eBay is still being used in the world. Uh, Braden was telling me they tripled in sales, I believe, right? Since, since the, since the Rona. So in case you guys were wondering if eBay is still a site, you got to check out eBay. So how does one become a students for Trump president? How did you get in that position? Um, so basically me and my friend, James Falls, uh, we, uh, we're looking for a group to join at our schools um, because we're Trump supporters. And we've always followed um, Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk, that, that group um, on social media. And they've got this group called Students for Trump. It's got almost 600,000 followers on Instagram now. Um, and there's schools all over the country that have these chapters for Students for Trump. And we looked at our school and there wasn't anything. So we basically just DM'd the Students for Trump page on Instagram and we said, you know, we want to start up a group over here in Utah. Um, and they actually got really excited because they haven't been contacted by anybody in Utah to do something like that. And so now we've been able to start two groups in Utah for students for Trump. Awesome. So how many people have uh, joined on since you guys started up? And when did you start up? Um, we started up like a month before coronavirus hit. Um, well, probably even less than that, because right before our first event we got shut down. Um, we have we both combined have about 700 followers on instagram i believe um that's a rough estimate um i know i don't know what the byu numbers are but at uvu i know i've got about 35 to 40 solid people 
And that's literally, we haven't even campaigned at school at all. That's just simply from messaging people on Instagram and people messaging us. Um, so once I know once we'll be able to get on campus, we'll be able to probably triple that number or more. So. For sure. And is it looking like you guys are going to end up going back in the fall? Because I know a lot of colleges have like changed up what's going to happen. What What's going on at UVU? Um, at my school, we've got kind of half and half. Um, they actually moved. So I've got five classes coming up in the fall. They moved four of mine online. So I don't really like that. But I've got one class at the university and then I've got four classes that I'm going to be doing. That surprises me. If you're an IT guy and you don't want your, I feel, I figured you'd have five online classes. Well, yeah. I mean, it does make sense, but like last, let's see the, this last semester in the spring, trying to do schoolwork on the computer, like just sitting in your pajamas at your apartment, it's so hard to focus when you're actually at campus, you can actually focus and, you have, and you're in a classroom setting. I just learn much better that way. I don't think everybody's that way, but for me, I'd rather be at campus. So I probably plan on going to campus to do my online work anyway. Okay. All right. All right. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. So it, I feel similar in a sense where it's like, I would push all my online work back to like a certain day of the week. And then I would like jam it out. And it, it's not, it's not the most effective way people, if you guys are in college and taking online classes, make sure you like fucking pace it out a little if not you're going to be overwhelmed so we're going to fast forward on to here um on your instagram i believe you are a writer for the raging patriot is that correct and if it is what is the raging patriot so the raging patriot is a conservative um I don't know, news organization kind of um that has been started by a man named tyler webster um and basically the raging patriot we write articles we've got it's all all college students writing articles um on instagram we've got 120,000 followers i believe um and i don't know if you saw i recently actually was able to interview roger stone the former trump advisor that got um commuted by donald trump recently i have not you mind going into that we'll, we'll just dive into that um so roger stone was a former trump advisor who was involved in the russia investigation you know all about that i'm sure mm -hmm like General Flynn and stuff. And so I was actually able to, uh, through the Raging Patriots, set up an interview with Roger Stone. And basically we just talked about, so his, obviously his argument's going to be that he should be set free from jail. <laughs> um, and so my whole interview is on YouTube with him and you can go check that out on the Raging Patriots YouTube channel. We actually just started that up. So it's actually pretty small, but. Okay, okay, no, but definitely. So Roger Stone, I I'm, myself am not that informed on him. He's in prison right now, it sounds like. No. So he was actually, uh, he was scheduled or he was ordered by a judge to report or turn himself into prison on July 14th tomorrow. I believe it was July 14th. I could be wrong on that. Okay. Um, and he was supposed to go there. He was charged with, uh, I believe it was lying to Congress and obstructing justice or, or, uh, what's the word? He was interfering with witnesses. I can't remember exactly because okay. I actually was not, um, I was not around when sure. the prosecution was going on i was actually serving a mission um so i wasn't really up in the all informed so was this did this come out in the in the Mueller report uh, i believe so yeah so it was okay. part of it so like they started investigating roger stone this is what he told me he claims that the, after they found that there was no collusion with russia they found they decided to start investigating him even though they found there was no collusion 
And so that was kind of the grounds for him getting commuted by President Trump because they shouldn't have been investigating him anyway. Okay. So was if he was interfering, like they say, interfering, wouldn't that be for in, in favor of Trump? So, like, what do you mean? Like, he was interfere. Like, if he did interfere, which the Mueller report, I'm saying, I guess that he did. Was he interfering to help Trump to benefit him or to? Yeah, he's a friend of Donald Trump and okay. he was part of his campaign. And so what they're saying is the, the argument is that Trump, helped, Russia helped Trump get elected. Right. And yes. so they're saying that Roger Stone was a big part in that. Okay. He was the one that kind of helped the Russians with like WikiLeaks and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I want to make a correction. I do not believe the Mueller report has anything to do with Roger Stone. I just believe uh, maybe it does. I haven't read it. It's so long. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've only heard like snippets from it, but I figured, you know, that might have been tied together because I do remember like a lot of names popping up when the Mueller report came out as to who might have been involved in those uh, in, in the Russia investigation. So you got to interview him through the Raging Patriot. Was there anything like eye opening that he told you that um, you were like, wow, I didn't expect to hear that? Um, well, basically, his whole argument is that like it, what's kind of scary about it was the whole like judicial system was corrupt against him. That's how he feels. Um, the judge was like a Clinton donor. She would go on Instagram and Twitter and she would talk about how much she hates Roger Stone. So explain to me how that's a fair trial. You know, if your judge and your jury hate you, they're obviously going to prosecute you and they're, they're obviously going to put you in prison. So he felt like it wasn't a fair trial. So how could he even be put in prison for this? If the people judging him hate him. Okay. Okay. No, this is definitely something I got to look a little more into because obviously, but I feel like in those situations, right. And a, a Trump has, or I mean, your, your judge has to be honest in that courtroom if they have any conflicts of interest. So that I'm, that, I'm shocked to hear that. Yeah. And, and so Trump, instead of pardoning him, because pardon means like, there means you were guilty, but the president's setting you free. Commuting Correct. him means the president believes he wasn't guilty at all. So that's like the importance of the language there. Okay. Okay. I now I know the difference. All right. So beyond Roger Stone, right? That whole Russia investigation, I feel, is is one of the, the biggest points in the in the Trump campaign because from all the all the news that I've learned, right? Russia did have uh, a somewhat of an effect on our election, whether it be through ads um, on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. So what, what did you learn about the, the whole Russia investigation? And like, what am I missing here? Was Russia like as prevalent of a. Well, honestly, the Democrats have been pushing this Russia thing for years now, right? Ever since, like, the very first day that Donald Trump got in office, they said they were going to impeach him. I remember Maxine Waters saying that, like, our number one goal is to impeach him. Like, you can't just impeach somebody because you don't like, you know? Yeah. And so now they've started pushing the whole Russia thing, and that's all you've heard on the news for years is Russia, 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 Russia. Don Lemon, Russia. Chris Cuomo, Russia, you know? Um, but the Robert Mueller report came out, and they said that they found no collusion with Russia at all with the Trump campaign. And they're still pushing Russia. Like a few days ago, I heard Nancy Pelosi talking about how Donald Trump's a Russian asset. It's like it never stops. It, it's literally like a, saying the earth is flat. You know, <laughs> that's how I see it, at least. 
No, definitely. Because the Mueller report, for people that don't know, you have to go at least watch the synopsis on it. Like Braden said, it's a very long document and it's very tough to understand if you're not politically savvy like myself. Right. So I need those synopsises. I'll, I'll post one in the in the link below. Um, but you have to understand that it came out and it showed that Trump was not colluding with Russia. And for us to still be bringing that up or not for us, I should say. For Democrats to continue to bring it up, I could see how it could be frustrating. But at the end of the day, if he didn't, he didn't. We'll move on to the next thing that I figure is really important. And, and it's the reason why I am against Trump. And I, it's, I, it's his immigration policy. So I myself come from a family of immigrants. My, my father came from Cuba. And my, uh, my grandma, my mom's side, was uh came over from Austria in the 1940s. So I feel America is a place where immigration was it, it's our history, it's our key, you know. It's how we have so many we have a huge Hispanic community in the Southwest, you know. You have a huge European community along the East Coast. So I feel it's really important for the for United States to be an open not an open border, but obviously focus on expediting the process to become a citizen. Because a lot of the people coming from Mexico are now locked up in places that are that are in horrible conditions. So, like, what what is your view on his immigration policy and wanting to close the Mexican border, and then the stuff he did at the beginning too with the Muslims wanting to ban Muslims coming into the country? Yeah. So, I think something that gets mischaracterized a lot is immigration versus illegal immigration. Trump supporters, at least me and the way I view Donald Trump, is he is not against immigration. He's against illegal immigration. The border wall isn't, like you said, like you said, a closed border against Mexico. We want a border wall with a door in it. And so if that border wall, if that border wall doesn't exist, illegal immigration can flow right through, right? And Correct. so how are we ever going to expedite the, the legal immigration process if we're dealing with all these illegal immigrants flowing in? I think the very first thing that needs to happen to be able to expedite the immigration process is to be able to control your border so that you can know who's coming into your country. And then in that way, we can do immigration, you know. Okay. Okay. And, and to that, I would say, you know, we have thousands of people ready to be expedited through that process, but there's been nothing in place and it doesn't seem like there's anything in place to, to, to move this forward. I worked with a lady, um, during summer school last year when I was becoming, when I was student teaching and she was telling me that she works with a, a program that gets stuff ready for, for pregnant moms and moms that just had babies. And they're getting ready to take a whole bunch of care packages down to that border, er, the area where a lot of people are being held. And like I said, thousands. I, yeah. And I, and I, I have, you know, I don't know the exact number, but to see that's disheartening for me, man. And, and the reason why I feel there's a lot of illegal immigration is a lot of these families, when you talk to them, it's because of gang violence that pushes them out. You know, the, the, the entire city of like Sinaloa, Mexico is controlled by gang. So, so, you know, you get the families that are like, fuck, there's no other option. And we're blessed to, to not have those issues here. But I think that's why you see so many people trying to go illegally. Similar to my, and, and I can relate back to me, similar to my father coming from Cuba, you know, with the Castro regime, 
my grandmother knew it was time to get out. You know, she saw, she saw things that she didn't like, but anyways, that is one of the reasons why I feel I I'm like anti, anti I've got another point about the border wall as well. Um, All right, go ahead. I was reading a study a little while ago about how um, there's a lot of these children that come across the border. They're actually not there. The, the adults that they come with, they're actually not the kids of those adults. There's a lot of human trafficking that's going on with illegal immigration as well that really doesn't get talked about at all. I think one of the biggest problems in the world today is human trafficking. Um, even in America, I was looking at the, like, the global slavery index. Even in America, they list like an estimated 400,000 people are under slavery or sex trafficking or anything like that. And a border wall will solve, not solve, but it will help the human trafficking issue a lot. Plus, also, there's a lot of data about illegal immigration. With people. Women are coming up to the border. A lot of them are being raped. And there's a lot of data about that. And so, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of like people that just leave their place because of gangs and stuff but there's also a lot of people who are being trafficked there's also a lot of women being raped on the way so i feel like there's got to be a better way than illegally immigrating no 100 percent, 100 percent. i i know of some people um where it's taken years like that process itself is taking years to to go through and and for me right i'm not a man of answers but i know the united states you know, we're one of the most powerful countries in the world. You know, we're, we're at a point in time right now where we have millions of people unemployed. Maybe, you know, Trump could be proactive in this and then begin to, to start looking at hiring more people to ex- expedite that process. Because I, in my opinion, right, this is the un- United States of America. We're united. We're people say a melting pot, you know, of a whole bunch of different cultures and, and races. And especially a time like now, right? I, I just, I feel this, this ruins Trump because right now, I mean, we're seeing the division in America like we've never seen before, Braden. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And you know, the division in America, um, I think Donald Trump, like he obviously contributes to that because he just lashes out and he'll say whatever the heck he wants to say, you know? But I think the division in America is driven by the media a lot. Um, the media, I think, is one of the most dangerous things but it, it's also one of the greatest things. Like it depends how it's used. I think the media right now is used as a weapon to create this divide between Americans. You know, every night, if you watch Fox news, it's going to be, at least if you watch the evening hours, Fox news has some, has some left leaning shows earlier in the day. But if you watch the evening hours of Fox news, it's going to be, you know, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, right wing people. You go over to CNN and you got Don Lemon, you got Chris Cuomo. You know, I've even watched Don Lemon go on there and just basically just hate on white people for a half hour. So I think the media is causing a lot of the division. And I think they lie a lot about Donald Trump. They mischaracterize things that he says, especially the Mount Rushmore speech. That was one of the biggest lies I've ever seen in my life, where they said that the Mount Rushmore speech was divisive and dark. And then you go listen to the speech and it was just simply about how America is going to get stronger in the future. It was, and I will jump in here. I am for the speech. I believe it's one of his best speeches that he's ever given. He did, he re, he didn't go off on any of his Trump tangents. You know, he really stayed on the focus of un, unity and and focusing on like building up from here, which he had to do. Cuz you and me both know. I mean, I've seen some polling numbers where he's he's down right now and he's got to he's got to pick up and I, I think this speech was a a big turning point for him, but 
what what were people on the left saying? Like, what was some of the messages? The like every single like if you just like went in on Twitter and you typed in dark and divisive, and then you put the little um filter verified, you could go through and you could just see like Washington Post, New York Times, all of them. They put dark cast or not dark. <laughs> Trump casts the dark shadow of the future of America. Trump has a dark and divisive speech at Mount Rushmore. Trump gives a speech in front of two carved out slave owners, like things like that. Like they're literally, they don't want unity at all because if there's unity, the people aren't going to be glued to the media. And so the media wants us divided. The media wants us to all hate each other because if we all hate each other, then we're going to stick to their news and their news makes money. Does that make sense? No. And uh, yeah, I was just about to hit that. You know, the more divisive it is, the more views you're going to get. I mean, I put a clickbaity clip art on this video and we're going to get a shit ton of views, Brayden. Like, and I mean, that's just, that's the way it is. I, I think that what's most important that people have to figure out and which I found out in the past couple of years is you gotta, you gotta listen to everybody and you gotta, you gotta decide on your own. You gotta really, you gotta go away from the medias and you gotta like really sit down with yourself and just see what, do I believe in? Cause I'm not going to lie. When I talked to you over Xbox that day, I, I was like, you know what? Let me like, just start to like, try to process it a little bit more from the Trump point of view. And not, not only Trump's point of view, cause like you said, he can be divisive at times. He's, he's controversial. He's a, he's a, yes, he's yes. You know, he tells those people like interview him, not for you. No, I'm not, I'm not answering your question. And like, you know, I, I stick to that shit and it makes me, it makes me not like him, but the whole Republican party at a whole, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't agree with. And I think we could jump into this one right now, just to see where you're standing on it. Uh, abortion for me, abortion for me is a woman's, it, it shouldn't even be voted on by men. In my opinion, it's not, it's not our. It's not our stance, but Trump himself said that women that get abortions should be punished. So what, where do you stand on that? So I am very, very pro-life. Um, and that's one of the main reasons I love Donald Trump is because he's one of the most pro-life presidents we've ever had. He's the first to ever go give a speech at a pro-life rally. Um, you know, I, I disagree. I think men actually have every right to talk about abortion because, you know, the baby inside that mom is part it's part of the dad too, is it not? Correct. So I always hear this, my body, my choice, that, that chant, you know, my body, my choice. Well, is it really your body? Cause there's a baby inside there. Is it not? Like, I don't understand. Can you help me understand what the, my body, my choice is because there's two human beings in there. There's two I, heartbeats. There's two brains. Mm -hmm. No, I get that. I get what I see. Um, and, and from my view as a teacher, as I see a lot of broken families, a lot of parents that weren't ready to be parents. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, some of those parents like aren't, aren't like pro-life and everything, and they wanted to make that choice. But at the end of the day, dude, it's, I know it's half of us, but if you're not financially ready to care for a child, you're putting not only yourself at a disadvantage, but now that child's going to be at an even bigger disadvantage when you can't care for them the right way. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So if, is it, when's, when is the like 
point of no return because like a baby, once, once that baby's created, it's becoming a human being. Do you agree that a baby inside a mom is a human or do you believe it's a, a bundle of cells? A bundle of, I, I, if you're going to put it that way, I, I believe it's a bundle of cells. I believe. So you don't believe like if it has a beating heart that it's not human yet. Like you, you believe that it's not a person until it comes out of the mom. That's, that's your view on it. That, that is, is my, my view on it. Okay. And my view I know, is I know that's tough. Office. I know that's tough. Cause I, I want to say, of course it's, it's that baby, right? It, it, it's, it's a life form, but at the same time, you have to be ready. Like having a kid is the most. Ex- is that having sex that choice? Why is it that we make that decision after we have sex? If you're not ready to have a kid, don't have sex or use protection. Why are you going in there? And if, if you're having sex unprotected, you know what the consequences and risks are. You know that a baby might be formed. And if that, I believe that that's when the choice is made. If you're not ready to have a kid, then don't have sex unprotected. It's as simple as that. And if you make that decision, you live with the consequence. That's how I see it. Okay. Now, does, was this view formed based off of your religion? Because I know at the beginning you said you went on a mission. Is the Mormon religion pro-life? And is that how that started in your mindset? So were you a person? Are you, are you married? Okay. So are you a person who's waiting to have sex until married? Okay. Okay. No, I respect it. I respect it a hundred percent. And I, so there's just a lot of people and I feel like, like Trump is one of them, right? Let's say, because I like, truthfully, if this man hasn't had an affair, he's definitely made a mistake sexually. And for him to be like, what if he fucking, you know, his rubber breaks, he comes inside of, you know, Jelaine Maxwell or whatever, when he was on a pedo Island, I'm just just joking, but let's say some shit like that happens, right? And is he not going to abort that child? I don't know. I mean, that that's just the obviously hypothetical. he's not. Not like he said he's not. not. I mean, Donald Trump actually used to be pro-choice. Um, he has his uh, thought on that has evolved over the last. I think it was in the two thousand that changed his thought. I did. I was reading that a bit. He has changed parties. I believe like three times. He used to be a Democrat. I know that. He definitely was in between. I think what Trump saw was a perfect opportunity to, you know, instant, like he, it wasn't like that. He knew that this division would come, but I think that he was just bored of not being able to, to be in control. Like his company wasn't doing enough for him. And that's why he was like, shit, let me just see if I can do this on the next scale. Yeah, um, like are you saying that's why you wanted to be president? Yeah, yeah like, like that's, that's. See, this is this is another funny thing. So, like, like are like you're a Democrat, right? Correct. So Democrats and Republicans or Trump supporters view these things polar opposite, and I think it's so interesting. Like you guys view it as he wanted more power. What I hear come out of Trump supporters' mouths is Donald Trump could have retired and he could have gone off into his little beach house with his beautiful wife and retired and lived the rest of his life, but instead he threw that all away. And his, he's losing his net worth. He's getting trashed by the media left and right. He's probably tired as hell. He literally, like, being the president, yes. probably probably that's the, the toughest job. job. Yes. So we view it as he sacrificed, and you guys view it as he wanted more power. And, you know, I think that's an interesting division. I don't know exactly why that is. Maybe it's because one side hates him and one side loves him. But 
That's the, that is, I don't know if you've heard that viewpoint about Donald so the reason, no, and, and the, it's amazing that you bring it up, right? Because this is why these conversations need to be had. Because until this point, you know, I, I was just saying that because of everything, all these moments that have led up to this conversation that me and you are having right here. So when I think about it, Trump presents himself as a strong, powerful force. He likes to command a room. And the stories that I've heard, he just sounds like, he sounds strong. He sounds like a powerful guy. That's where I'm coming from with it. And, and he knew that he can use those strategies that he's learned in building his businesses to run a country. So I don't mean it as in powerful as in like a, a negative connotation. Like he's just a, he's a, he's a strong voice. Yeah. And I, I could see I, I definitely see that. Yeah. And one of my favorite, like one of the things that caught my eye in 2016 was Donald Trump said that he was setting all, uh, setting all aside uh, everything that he's doing for the American people because the country's given him so much that he wanted to give back to it. And, you know, I thought about that a lot. And, you know, I, I took it as genuine. Obviously, a lot of people don't take it as genuine. But I think when you set down your business, when you set down your beautiful lifestyle, um, where because obviously he, was, he had billions of dollars, he could have literally just spent the last 20 years of his life on a beach living the life, you know? Yeah, he chose to go out there, get trashed by the media, and come out and try to help the American people. And you know, that's how I view it, and that's why I think Donald Trump is genuine about what he's trying to do. Okay, no, 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 I, I could see it. I could see it, man, because it, it is true. I think the thing that kind of really pissed me off, uh, and it's like a you got it's the toughest job in the world. You need your off days to go play golf. But I remember seeing that first year. Like he played golf like 72 times out of the, out of the entire year. And I'm like, you know, fuck Obama came out and hooped like four times. Maybe that's just what we saw. You know, Obama went golfing a lot too. But I think another thing that you got to understand is the media will jump on Donald Trump for anything he does. They were not like that for Barack Obama. Barack Obama, the media wasn't like they were with Donald Trump. The media hasn't been like they were with Donald Trump or any president ever before. So if Donald Trump does anything, they're going to report on it. I remember reading Donald Trump ate a chicken wing before Melania did. How disrespectful. Or Donald Trump ate chicken nuggets at the White House tonight. And that's like, like a New York Times report. Like, are you guys serious? Like, come on. Hey, he fucked over Clemson. How the fuck are you the president and you order McDonald's? No, that's, there's no way those fries weren't cold. Those fries were fucking frozen by the time those kids got them. National champions. I don't think that's our biggest issue right now. But hey, hey, I, I, it's a point. You brought it up, McDonald's and chicken nuggets. I was like, hey, I remember? I just remember the news reporting on what Donald Trump ate for dinner. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Nobody cares. This is why okay. the people don't trust the media. You know? That's yes. Tough. Yes. Okay. What I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for people to be like Joe Biden. Fucking isn't it? And and like, I think people are like he he's used this quarantine to his full benefit because i feel if it would have came to if it would have came to debates and i think they're still there they have to they have to whether it's online um uh trump's gonna flame the shit out of him like he's and if joe has a couple of his slip-ups dude he mm, that could be it that could be it biden has got uh, some of the youtube videos of joe biden's guests are pretty hilarious i've (laughs) Obviously, people on the conservative side enjoy that stuff because, like, I don't know, Joe Biden is 
there's all i i believe and you know the polling shows that a lot of people believe he's got early early dementia he's got something wrong with um and i've heard like you know who michael Knowles is of the daily wire uh no but i have heard of the daily wire okay michael Knowles. he's always talking about how this quarantine is joe biden's campaign um and like if this quarantine wasn't here he'd be absolutely screwed like you were saying i think he would have honestly lost the uh but it's t- the, the numbers were showing after right before we hit quarantine. It was like a week or two after is when he locked it with like number based on numbers. But man, like it was just disheartening. The democratic systems really messed up in the in the caucusing. And I we t- we had mentioned this when we talked on Xbox saying that there's got to be something that needs to change as far as election wise to only end up with two candidates is kind it baffles me. You know, I believe that there should be some kind of thing. There should be an array on both sides. Like there should be another Republican candidate running. Like the fact that you, we only have to stay looking at Donald Trump's perspective. It it sucks because Joe Biden locked up the presidency. There was no other, you know, Bernie conceded like a week after because you look at the numbers and there's no way you can do it. And it's like, now we're stuck. And, and he's like you said, early dementia. He, he, I just don't like him. Like, I, I, it's just the more and more I, I look into what it takes to be a president, because that's one of the reasons why I didn't like Trump as a president is because I felt he, there was a lack, especially during the beginning of the Black Lives Matter protest, like a lack of leadership in saying that everything's going to be OK, you know, as far as when he had to tear gas people um, in front of the White House to get to that church. That was huge. That was a that's a huge point for me. And I, I want to go to that that point in time. He tear gassed the people, cleared a way to walk in into the church. And now what I mentioned to you is what I feel a good president does leadership wise is I, it, although it is dangerous, you have the best security force in the world, but you go out and you talk to the people and you listen to the people's, you know, point of view and what the people are saying. Like we said, there's a lot of people that took those protests. And used it as a way to incite violence. And, and it, that's what could cause a dangerous area. You know, you get a president out there, the people would start throwing shit. And, and I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened. Carrying guns too, as well. But at the end of the day, right, if you get a crowd under control and you're able to talk to them and hear their sides, because I think just as much as we're run by the media and what our thoughts are run by the media, Trump is on the media too, man. Like he's, he's watching Fox news. I I remember watching a Vox video showing that there's a, there's something said on Fox news and Trump tweets like fucking two minutes later. So, you know, like he's, he he watches, he watches Sean Hannity, Jesse waters occasionally. Yeah. He'll post their like opening, opening statement. Correct. So, but like, you know, you have to also open your ears to other sides too. And I feel that was a big leadership divide, but I also, don't see that leadership coming out of Joe Biden because, you know, like he's just he, he's trying to stay alive long enough for the Democrats to win. Like, seriously, in my opinion, and I don't understand why the Democrats didn't elect somebody that was younger. Like, like, I, I'll be, I don't agree with Cory Booker or, you know, someone younger, but I feel like Cory Booker would be a formidable opponent. I feel like he could go to a debate and he could actually talk with Trump and people would actually, you know, it would actually be a good debate. I feel like Joe Biden is just like, I don't know. He just is an empty suit and he's just 
going to get into the office and I think other people are going to run it for him. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I said it. I, I, I said it to you before. Um, that's the, I think it was like when we first started talking, I was like, you know, I don't like Biden, but I'm kind of like vouching that this vice president takes over in about a year when he passes away of just natural causes. Cause no, it, it's scary, man. It's scary. Cory Booker was a good choice. I, I was a fan of, uh, Pete. Um, I liked a lot of, uh, Pete for president, right? But you, you know, nobody who's gay is going to become president in the United States. Like that's it. It won't happen. I, and in my eyes, like it, people someday, someday, I think this election though, like this cycle, like I feel there's still such a huge division along those lines. Now, what are, what is Trump's thoughts on the LGBTQ community? Do you know? I'm not too studied on the LGBTQ community. I'm probably, you could say I'm pretty ignorant on that subject. Um, I, I don't want to say anything about it really because I don't, I don't know much about it, even with like Donald Trump's policies and stuff. So I would rather not just talk. I would rather not make comment on that. because. Okay. Well, I, I know you don't know how Trump's is, but like, do you like, what, how is it, how do you feel about this topic? Like, are you in, are you for uh, people being able to have the right for marriage? Like gay people that have a right for marriage? I think, I think everybody deserves a right to do as they please. Um, obviously coming from a Christian background, um, like Christianity, like my, my church, we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Um, and you know, some of the, it starts to get on like a slippery slope, like especially during the Obama year. So like, I don't know if you've ever heard of like a Latter-day Saint temple. Um, yeah, that's where, that's where, that's, that's uh, where we get more. married and that's where we go and get married and stuff like that. You guys go there before school too, right? For seminary? Uh, no, that's just a church building. Okay. So, so the temp- so LDS different. is different. Okay. I've never known there was different. No, it's so it's the same religion, but we have temples and we have churches. And so okay. like at temples, we perform things like marriages. Um, okay. And so these laws that we're, that are trying to get passed, some of them are going to require places like our church, like our temples who do gay marriages inside of our temples. And so we feel like that's impeding on our right for our freedom of religion, you know? And Mm so, you know, I feel like if we can find a way to create a way that allows freedom of religion, but also allows, you know, gay people to to do as they please, I think that's okay. But I think as soon as you start impeding on religions and telling them that they have to do something a certain way because of this law, I think that's absolutely not okay. Uh, Okay. And I could see where that divide comes. I'm a, I'm a fan of Ben Shapiro's. And I love listening to his podcast. And if you guys haven't, he's a great person. He, out of all podcasters, you know, he's going to present just the facts. And he, he leans slightly right, slightly more conservative. But at the same time, he's in the middle. Yeah, he has been. He's, and that's why I listened to him when he was like, no, Trump was wrong about this. And like, he, he states it just clearly and why he believes that. So I like listening to him. He's in the middle. He was a person. He's a person of, um, Jewish religion and he is not for gay marriage whatsoever and it's not that he hates gay people it's just that his religion doesn't believe in that so I could see where you're um where it comes from I feel like if if you are a gay person and you're Mormon like wouldn't you just leave like wouldn't you just leave like the Mormon religion entirely I, I would say that's probably happened a lot. Um, like down in Salt Lake City, there's a lot of people that protest the church because it is it's against gay or 
against homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not a homosexual person, so like I can't say if I would leave or not. <laughs> but okay. I definitely know that a lot of people have, and there's also some that actually haven't left because of it. So I mean, it's just kind of up to the individual. Yeah, I I feel like I mean you could kind of like if if you are that in like really invested in the Mormon religion, you end up being gay. I say like you know you can get like side hustle married. You know, just don't get married in the in the church. So be it. You know what I mean? You know you've been practicing this shit for years. You knew it was coming. So like you could still get married. You know, and that's the I think that was a huge point in America too. Is like just realizing like guys, what are we fighting for? And I think you you feel the same way. It's like let's just let these guys get married. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, they can get married as long as you're not going to force us to follow the same rules. Like, like they can go get married somewhere else, but like these temples are our private property. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to be forced to perform that in our. Yeah, I so I um I was really in like I said I was into Ben Shapiro. I listened to this Joe Rogan podcast, and I feel Joe Rogan wasted so much of his time pressing. This whole like, why don't you? So so if there was a gay uh, after party, he's like, are you gonna go to the after party? And it's like it's like Joe, like come on, god damn it, like focus on this, sh- like asking about different shit because I haven't you, seen that podcast. You gotta listen it. to it. You gotta listen to it. Fast forward through the parts where they're talking about. I'm telling you, it drags out for like 30 minutes. You're just like, there's no need. We've already dragged it out long enough, and it's been seven minutes. <laughs> Okay, so I was looking at what would I also be critical of Trump for? The Green New Deal, you know, bringing all that renewable resource energy to be processed here in the state. And, you know, I had watched another YouTube video explaining how Trump is like one of the first presidents to want United States like energy dominant. He wants to dominate the whole energy uh, market and he's doing it through like oil and stuff and like I what is it called fracking so what do you feel um, like is is helping Trump in that case because I know he heard a lot of his supporters when he focused on uh, on like building oil rigs instead of wanting to go renewable I kind of live in the Rust Belt area of America kind of like Pennsylvania West yep. Virginia Okay, sorry, what was your question again? <laughs> so the, the question is like, what would you say like Trump's response is to everybody saying like him not signing the Green New Deal is like Well, I think I think the Green New Deal is absolutely insane. Um the Green New okay. Deal can you kind of remind me the main points of it? So I from what I remember, it was like by a certain year, I believe it was like 2025, like 70% of all your energy in your country has to be renewable energy. Yeah. That wasn't just what was in the Green New Deal, though, right? Because I remember, I remember reading stuff about how they're going to try to eliminate like cars and eliminate air travel within the Green New Deal. I, the whole, the whole climate change thing. I think I don't think climate change is a hoax, but I think the way that it is politicized by the left is a way to push their agenda. Does that make sense? And so, the Green New Deal, I think, is filled with things that are to push the Democrat agenda, and not really, and it's. It's more just like taxes on higher taxes on people, um, get rid of all of the coal industry that, I mean, the amount of jobs that will be lost if we just eliminate that industry would be catastrophic to those areas, you know? Mm-hmm. So no, I, I, I get, I get those points. 
But at the same time, it's like, if we're going to eventually, right, eventually, you're going to have to start making the switch. We've, I, I think it's scientifically proven that by 2050, we will be out of all fossil fuels and we will have to be living based on a renewable energy basis. So my, what my point is, right, is like, it's not that you're going to be cutting those jobs. You're going to be making so many new jobs when you start focusing more on these renewable energy plants. Now, I'm a person who it's like, dude, I've talked to a, a, a person that works on auto, on cars that go autopilot. Fuck, I'm forgetting the name for it right now. But so cars that can operate on their own. And he was saying that it's a matter of about 20 to 25 years at this pace. So like without you, the Green New Deal or anything, he's like where you're going to have the majority flip to where we're going to be a majority electric cars and uh, the minority will be like cars run by engines and stuff. I'm not saying that we got to get completely rid of cars because I mean, that's that's not right. But you need to start looking in the future in that sense. So that's what it was portrayed to me as. When Trump didn't sign this, and I believe that we were one of like, I think it was less than 10 countries that didn't sign this, uh, the Green New Deal. You know, what does that make us look like? In your eyes. Like the whole Paris Climate Accord thing too, I was happy we pulled out of that. I, the whole problem, I think, with like these, oh, by 2050, this is going to happen. I remember, I don't, I wasn't alive, but I remember reading about, you know, Al Gore saying, we're going to be underwater by 2012. Like all these predictions that get made, they're honestly just alarmist. Like there's no way to, like science isn't ever settled. That's something that I hate hearing is the science settled because science is an ongoing thing and science can be hypothesized and tested over and over again, but it's never really proven other than things like, you know, the earth is round, but I think these predictions, they, I haven't seen a single one come true about climate change. And so I have little, very little faith in all this stuff about how they know by 2050, we're all going to be burnt up and dead. Like I remember Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying, we've got like 10 years or we're, and we're all dead. And so, you know, I think and, the alarmist part of it, that's what turns Republicans off is because we've seen these predictions not come true and they're making them again. And so we're just like, no, it's, it's complete. It's a, it's a hope in that form okay okay and it could be another one of those like the media yeah it, it, at the end of the day man we live in a day and age where it's no matter what we do from this point on Braden, it's controlled by media so you work for the raging patriot and it's a it's an all conservative are you guys critical of trump at all um i would say we're probably not very critical of trump um something interesting i know we were just talking about the lgbt community um we just hired a a conservative who's actually gay um and he wrote like a 30 page um a 30 page thing about why he's a conservative and he's gay so i don't know if you'd ever want to check that out and read it but you said 30 pages i <laughs> yeah it was 30 pages but i don't know if you want to read spark notes <laughs> maybe there will be spark notes for it in a few months <laughs> But yeah, the Raging Patriot, like we, we, we're, we're a diverse group. We've got, we've got a couple of Hispanics that write for us. Um, so like we're a diverse group. Um, 
we don't necessarily, we're not necessarily, at least right now during the campaign season, we're not very critical of Trump. We're going to push our beliefs out because we want basically help the campaign out, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think there's a lot of news organizations that are very equal. I can't think of one actually. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, the Raging Patriots definitely cons- leaning conservative or part conservative, if that's what you're asking. For sure. It's making me think now that in schools, it should be taught, you know, how to, per- how to understand the media and how to understand uh, reality from fake news. It's huge. Man, these kids are gonna grow up, and I'm I love I love being a summer school teacher. I was in one of my classes, and uh, and I asked one of my students, I'm like, where did the coronavirus start? And this the kid, no hesitation, was like, it came from the guys in China. You know what I mean? Like he immediately was like, or he said a dumb Chinese person. There we go, a dumb Chinese person. And it's like, oh my god! It's like, yes, it did come from China, but it's not a dumb person. He's in sixth grade. I let it slide, right? But it's like you you can see that and I see it in grown adults, man, where it's like you're not you're not seeing this. Like if somebody doesn't believe in what you believe in, you gotta leave it. Obviously, you're not gonna change their mind. Like, do you do you find that Twitter beefs and like Facebook beef? I see it more on Facebook. Do you believe that those are like helpful or do you feel like it's just completely the, bullshit? the facebook and twitter beefs are I, i'm involved in them quite often <laughs> okay they're not helpful at all like it's it's literally just attack 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 um you know the left likes to call me like not the left but yes the left people from the left, left. they love yes. calling me racist um and i'm i'm not racist at all like <laughs> like a lot of conservatives are painted as racist right now. And I don't really understand why it's because of my white skin. Like, you know, I don't, and you know that when someone calls me that I fight back and that's like, that's not beneficial to fight about. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's beneficial to learn. You got to set that shit down, dude. I'm I'm glad you're at least open about it because shit, you're exactly who I'm talking about. You know, like there comes a point, obviously you're pushing what you believe in, but people, especially online, when you're behind a screen, bro, it's it's people think they're people think they're fucking uh, Thanos. You know what I mean? Indestructible. They got all the rings. You have to be able to distinguish like, OK, I, I seriously need to say something about this because this is a little too crazy. And, you know, just like a, a mediocre like, ah, shit, I could tweet about this. But like I said, it should be taught in schools. It should there should be something in schools that are, is helping people understand you have to get the information, the facts on your own. And a lot of times it isn't taught till college. You know, like I, do you feel like college is the, the turning point for you? Like political wise, like being, I think college is the worst place in America right now. <laughs> okay. Get, get, go on that. Cause that's interesting. So I re- actually read a study today about the teachers at Harvard. Guess what percent of teachers at Harvard are conservative? Oof. Let me, I'm trying to, okay. Hmm. seven it was less than two percent it was like 1.2 there's a uh, see i don't it was it was upwards of 90 i think i can't remember the numbers i'm pulling this up after we look it up it was like i think it was 95 percent democrat or extreme left and so i think you know the problem with the problem with identity politics and identifying everybody as our skin colors is 
So we're going into universities and we're saying, okay, we need, we need this many black people in our university to meet this quota of diversity. I think we're looking at it completely wrong. We need to get diversity of opinion, not diversity of, of skin color, because assuming that everybody that is this color thinks that thinks the same way is completely racist, in my opinion. And so I think we need more diverse teachers. We need more teachers that are conservative in colleges because, you know, like this week, Penn State, did you see this? Mm-mm. This Penn State uh, Liberal Arts Center, they tweeted out this whole list of these people matter. And one of the, one of the points on the list was conservative students, your viewpoints matter. And guess what happened in the comment section? Just everybody goes off on them calling, telling them that they're allowing white supremacists to have a voice. They're allowing it. And so they take the post down. This is the problem with universities is kids like me, we're not allowed to talk. Otherwise the mob comes for us. We're not allowed to talk. Otherwise we're shamed on social media. We are, we're, Sometimes we get fired from our jobs because we're conservative, because of maybe we said we support Trump on the internet. So like, I think the universities is a, is a very dangerous place for conservatives right now. And that's why, you know, I'm trying to bring the students for Trump to my school, even though it's a dangerous thing for me to do, honestly. But I think it's, someone's got to do it. We've got to take the universities back. They can't just be this place where this dark, this far left ideology is pushed on everybody because right now it's, it's a big problem. In my opinion. I feel when you go back and you do, mm. obviously, right? And you, you know, you knew, you know, the kind of thing. I know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know exactly what's going to happen, right? It's, it's got to be, it's got to be level headed, man. It's got to be, you know, taking it with a grain of salt because it, although not everybody's going to give you the time of day, it's important to change, not change people's minds, but at least open people's minds up. Like how you opened my eyes, you know, I could have told you the day I saw you to go, you know, screw yourself. But now it's benefited me tremendously to actually have given you the time of day. Yeah. Um, it's I, I feel you got to push the agenda of, you know, not divisiveness, but just saying, like, we want you to be informed. We want you guys to learn. We we understand that this is the way you feel. But honestly, understand, like, why we feel this way. I feel um, you said that Trump has not, or has, uh, would condemn be the right word, extremist? Mm-hmm. Like, contemned the extreme on the right side. White supremacist. White supremacist, right? But at the same time, and I know the media's portraying it, but I was actually there at a protest. You know, we're out there supporting Black Lives Matter and, and police brutality, and these are the protests that are getting shut down. And, you know, I've seen the, the KKK rallies where it's like people are walking around with guns and it's, it's all peaceful. And I don't, I, we don't live. I feel if we lived in the South, we'd be a little more apt to seeing stuff like that. I feel that's where you see the most prevalent area of white extremists. That's kind of where it was when it, so when I, I've seen a recent documentary where, you know, they their message in it all right at the end of the day, these KKK people, because it was up to them to decide to do these documentaries. And I think I feel it was very bold. Um, and it wasn't Charlottesville. I am trying to think of what it was called. It was on Hulu. I will get I will get back to you on what I watched, but it was a it was like a light skinned dude who was in there doing the interview. So like, cause they wanted the, a, a person of color to be 
the one talking to them. And it got to a point where they were at a rally and um, the dude was like, okay, like we want you to kind of like just stay back. And he, and the dude was like, but if you guys aren't going to hurt me, like, why do I have to stay back? And I feel like it was that at that point where it's like, you really saw the, the racism in the division. So what I'm just saying is he, I feel Trump's got to be way more vocal on saying that is not us. You know, because everyone puts you guys as them. So has there been moments, and I just haven't seen them, where Trump's like, I, I, I don't, don't condemn that? He's condemned white supremacy multiple times. And if you look it up on YouTube, you'll find it. Donald Trump condemns white supremacy, condemns the KKK, condemns David Duke. But the media is never going to talk about that because the media wants, wants you to see me as a white supremacist. They want you to see me with a white hood on. Because if I'm painted as that, then you're going to hate me. Right? They want this division between you and me. I am nowhere near the KKK. I'm, I'm not racist at all. I'm a Donald Trump supporter, and I completely condemn white supremacy. I completely condemn any form of discrimination against anybody. I and I I think that's important to say. That's important to to get it out there. If you fucking see Braden, don't press him on this shit. You're wasting your time. Absolutely. And you know, I think I think something we were talking about um, when we were talking on Xbox was. Have you ever heard of a man named Jordan Peterson? I have heard of Jordan Peterson. Have you listened to anything about, like, have you listened to him, his lectures at all? Are, are you going to mention the hair color uh, lecture where he says we should view everyone how we view hair color? Uh, no, I'm not. I don't know what that was. Okay. Okay. I thought you were going to go with that. Like, because I, I believe in that. I'm going to jump in just because you brought him up. He, he talked one time about how we have to view people just like we view hair color, you know, like it doesn't really matter. You know, nobody's like, Oh, I hate redhead. Some people might be, but like, <laughs> I've heard that a lot in my life. More, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, besides you guys not having souls, like it's just more accepted. <laughs> no, but anyways, uh, Oh shit. What po- Jordan Peterson, what podcast were you going to talk about? Um, I'm talking, I don't, I don't think it was a podcast. It was a, a YouTube lecture. video I watched, but he was talking about how one of the main problems with the left, is the left doesn't draw the line between what's too far left. Um, And so he brings up a point of, I think he thinks that the left should draw the line at equality of outcome. He thinks that that should be the point where you say, no, that is, that's too extreme. Mm -hmm. The left, when I see Joe Biden, I see Nancy, I don't know if you saw this the other day, Nancy Pelosi, she said, people will do what they're going to do when asked about tearing, just ripping down statues out of nowhere. What, What are your thoughts on ripping down statues? I think it's completely bull. I think that's where you see the, the it's too far. You know what I mean? The fact that. And America, I don't see anybody on the left condemning that. I don't see any of the, the Democrat leaders coming out and saying, you know, if we want to take these statues down, let's do it through a process through the government where we vote on it and we go through and we take it down. Cause like someone got critically injured by taking down a statue up in Seattle, I believe. Like it's not just like this safe thing that's happening. Well, no, these people aren't experts on statue removal. They're fucking. Yeah. They're fucking crazy. No, but I think I think what a lot of these people saw, they, because I feel at the at at the times of uh the most division, and a and a fucking it, it's crazy time. This has never happened where everyone's at home. I feel like that's why the protests were as big as they were. And I'm not saying this as in you know it, black people weren't fed up with everything that that have has already happened. Obviously. There has been issues in the in the police system for a long time, a long time. And for 
people to grow up and be taken to shit forever. We saw it in 2014 where you start seeing more protests. Then you start seeing some more cases pop up in 2016 with bigger protests the, in, in, uh, in Ferguson. And now you get a point in time in history where a record amount of people are at home not doing anything. And they took this chance to just unite and just go full steam ahead. And I, I, I agree. There comes a point where it's too extreme because statue removal, the end of the day, right? That statue was still up. You know what I mean? And I guess it, you could, it's monumental to take down statues. But like you said, do it the correct way. We already have the momentum going our way. The fucking Washington Redskins are going to change their name. You know what I mean? Like the, the momentum would have eventually done it. It's too far to go and commit crimes like that. I believe that's a crime. Yeah, and I think the rule of law needs to be upheld. And if these people are going to go out here and break laws, they need to be held accountable for it. Just like if a policeman does something, he should be held accountable for it. But my problem is I don't, I don't see Joe Biden. I don't see uh, AOC. Uh, AOC is extreme in my view. She's, AOC, she's can, you, can you inform me on AOC? I am completely ignorant on this. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's one of the congresswomen up in New York. Okay. Um, she's very popular um, amongst left, left-wingers. Okay. Um, she's very young as well, and that's why she's popular. But so I don't see her the AOC. Well, yeah, that's just her initials AOC. Well, I know, I know, but I'm saying you said the AOC. I thought you were talking about like some political organization. That's a dope ass fuck. Did I say the AOC? I meant to just say AOC. Yeah, I know you said the AOC. I was like the yeah, AOC. <laughs> but my problem is with the left right now is nobody's drawing a line, and so I see if if the Democrats are going to take over every branch of our government. They're just going to allow this to go forever. Like, where is the line when we stop taking things down? Like, they're taking down statues of abolitionists, even. Like, it's not, it's not just like they're taking down a statue of some Confederate soldier. They're taking down statues of Jesus Christ. Like, at what point do we stop these people? And all I see is Nancy Pelosi go up there and say, oh, they're going to do what they're going to do. People will do what they're going to do. It's like, no, that is not a leader. That is somebody that is enabling me. And that is why the left has got to start. They've got to show the American people where the line is, because I think if they don't show the American people where the line is, I think this election is going to keep slowly move towards Donald Trump if they don't. I, I agree. I agree. Um, it's you got it. You got to speak it, but it's not popular to speak it because of the cancel way culture will absolutely eliminate you as well. <laughs> yeah, the cancel culture is. Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's. It's cost people jobs. You know, but I feel at the end of the day, too, I'm a person who earlier on in this podcast said, you know, if people don't agree with you, like who like, like, screw it. You know what I mean? Like, because those people aren't worth the time. Those those people aren't worth the time because obviously they got their mind so played out in in that mindset. But, you know, um, I can I can think I could say this. I've fully agreed that defunding the police is probably the worst thing that could uh happen right now i feel like it, it, i think I it was like 70 percent of americans don't support that <laughs> i'm pro gun but i don't have a gun and i really need to get one do you have a gun yeah. uh back at my house i do but i'm at my college apartment so i have it with me but um okay yeah, i mean if i don't know if you heard about those two that the the two people that were that brought their guns out of their house do you remember that they were yeah like, the two white I mean, people there yeah, was a gated community 
Yeah. Did you know that they that the authorities recently just went in and took all their guns from them? Do you know that? Really? Yeah. It happened not. a few days ago. And it's been a big outrage because it's like these people were defending their property. Like those people, did you see the fence that those people completely tore down their fence to get into their property? And so they went out and defended their property. And now they're they're They said charges are going to be filed against. Them. Yeah, no, that's that's ridiculous, because I've also seen this. There's a um at, right after that, there was a group of of black people on the street and they were saying that, you know, if they're going to walk around with their AKs, we're going to walk around with our AKs and it's just going to like it's going to pop off and it's like guys like but you gotta like that's the thing you know don't look at those people just holding guns millions and millions and millions of people saw people white people holding guns with protesters walking by but then you think about it gated community they break down the wall these what like goddamn what would you do like i would be worried their house down probably like if if it was my house i've seen the whole city go up in flames I'm probably thinking these people are about to come commit arson on my property. You know, you can't go, you can't go into, you can't go into communities. I feel the thing that's really fucked up about protesting is when I was in the midst of getting tear gassed on Las Vegas Boulevard, I, and, and, you know, you see my girlfriend getting hit by a rubber bullet. I'm like, what the fuck can we do? You know, like where can one protest? without any sort of just huge repercussion because no matter where protests were located in Las Vegas like they were all eventually shut down by the police obviously some people were you know you throw in stuff but instead of having them in random locations there should almost be one central location everywhere in every city where a group of people can gather to to discuss whatever they're feeling you know you could have a huge protest yard or whatever and las vegas has a shit ton of these places like these huge grounds i feel like you feel like we should create protesting areas in cities so yes. that it's not just in so that it's not just a dangerous thing in the middle of the street where people are so, going to get run over yeah people in the middle of the street bro you got people in front i don't of know if you heard about what actually happened in provo utah where i live i, don't know if you I did not where, so there was actually a black lives matter protest going on in the street with university students and they surrounded this car and one of the protesters actually had a handgun and they shoot the driver right in his shoulder and so the driver he burst through them and they fire two more shots through the back window and this man gets hit by the shot and so that man ended up going he ended up going to the hospital and he ended up being okay thank god but these protests are dangerous. Like you were saying, like if you're bringing a gun to a protest and you're actually going to shoot somebody with it, what's going to start happening now is if I'm driving in the street and I see a protester and they're surrounding my car, I'm blasting through them. I'm not letting them shoot me, you know? And some people will call me a murderer for that, but it's like, no, I'm actually protecting my life. And so I, I, I agree with you. I feel like we should create an area where protests can take place safely. I think that's actually definitely a very good idea. Yeah, man, it's it, because like Brayden, I'm a fucking I'm a reasonable guy. You know, I'm out there. I was one of the people where it's like you're there was I will say there is a lot of people at these protests that were saying don't throw shit and don't like don't be a jackass. And people were checking people. And that's why I was like, oh, there we go. Like we're on the same page, like peaceful protest is what we kept chanting, you know, but it's like you're doing this. on We're doing this on a sidewalk. We weren't allowed to go on the street. 
And I mean, these are hundreds of people like walking down the sidewalk, which typically happens on Las Vegas Boulevard, but not as concentrated. But you're just like, why? Why? And, and what I envision, man, and, and I've brought it up in another podcast, is that kids growing up in this moment in time are going to have the most divided upbringing Absolutely. that we've ever seen in these past couple of generations. Like you, know, you can't be friends with a Trump supporter, right? Like that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then it's going to get portrayed to the Republican Party. And then it, 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 you, you have an extreme division in children growing up. And I'm going to be a teacher during all this time. So like, I'm going to have to, to work. It's your job that. to try to help that. <laughs> right. Right. And try to present to them. Like you, I tried, my, my kids are, um, I teach socially, emotionally challenged in special ed. So I tried this year, they're sophomores. So none of them could vote. They're like sophomores and freshmen, but I tried to get them to take, uh, online is the I side with, or I side with quiz where it lists all the, uh, political policies and topics and stuff. And you choose, you know, how you feel about each one. And it goes really in depth. And then it'll compare your answers to which political party you're more leaning towards. I highly recommend everyone to do this. I was starting to get them to take their own quiz. But like I said, like it was tough. They Because, you know, you only get government in school for fucking a year, your senior year. Is that the same way it is in Provo? What do you mean? We took government for one year, our senior year in school. Um, in Utah, uh, I think I took in high school. I'm trying to remember. I think I took one or two classes about. I think it was just one class about the U.S. government. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I. I think it's all on. We're all underneath this. The craziest thing, right, in education is we are all all teachers are required to follow these set of standards called the Common Core standards. I'm sure you've heard of them. We're required by law to make sure that we hit each one of those standards in a school year. So teaching is planned out, bro. Like, and when you talk about learning history and stuff, that stuff is planned out. It's up to the teacher and how they present it to really highlight the importance of certain areas. But like, it's crazy. The shit is made for us. And I feel there needs to be that shift in teaching where, you know, like you said, in universities, you're able to do it. You got to hire more conservative professors. You got at the same time in public schools, you also have to present content in history that represents, you know, different points in history that aren't really highlighted. You know, there's not a lot of black history taught. The, the history about the uh, Indians and the native, the native Americans. I feel like I never learned about was the Soviet Union at all. I never learned squat about them. all i hear about was nazis you know but i never learned about the soviet union and what happened in the cold war very well at all the cold war because it's fat like it, it's such a um, important like time in our history but at the same time I, i'm telling you if i was to go in the common core standards which i almost feel like going on right now to tell you how many lessons are about it i would say it's probably about two weeks worth you get about two weeks worth and i mean the the history between us and the Soviet Union is deep. It's a lot deep, but I feel there's so, it's so many secrets. And that's what I love about that's what I love about Jordan Peterson is I've learned more about Soviet Union and communist Russia from Jordan Peterson than I ever did in school. And I've just been doing it off of little basic YouTube videos. Um, 
that's so one can, of the reasons I love Jordan Peterson. It's just could you about all that. Highlight one of the things that you were like really starstruck by about the Soviet Union. Well, one of the things that Jordan Peterson likes to compare the Soviet Union to what's going on today. And one of the things is class guilt. And what's happening today is we're putting all this guilt on white people, right? White people should pay reparations or whatever. White people need to be sorry for slavery. What happened over in the Soviet Union, a really similar thing happened. Um, I think it was the... There was like the farmers who supplied a bunch of food. Mm-hmm. They got labeled as like these people that were rich. And so this whole other group comes up and they say, eat the rich. You know, I, I, I think that. if have you heard the, the Bol- I don't remember. Bolsheviks. I, is what I remember. Yeah. Yep. The Gulag. No, no the Kulak. I, I can't remember the words that he okay. used very well. But all I, I, the main point is this group got labeled as like the bad people. Right. And so the majority of the people, they come up and they destroy these people. And so when they destroyed all the farmers, all the food wasn't produced. And then millions of Ukrainians starved to death. None of us ever learned about that in school. I've never heard of that, but there's millions of people that died because of things like class guilt and class guilt is extremely dangerous. And that's why I think what's happening today with like this white privilege, white guilt is we're painting white people as these as this monolith evil group of people but like there's a huge diversity of thought amongst white people it's like 54% republican 46% democrats democrats so i think one thing i've learned from jordan peterson is that we can't assign guilt to an entire group of people that's extremely dangerous and it's led to millions of deaths in the past and it's going to lead to millions of deaths again if we don't it makes so much sense i and i really got to check out that that um that video on class guilt because it it shit that's like about the thing, it with Joe Rogan in the Joe Rogan podcast. You you always want to learn from your history. When I was taking history, like there was a point in time I remember sophomore year, I'm like, how the fuck can we make the same mistakes over and over and over again? And I think it's I believe it's minute things like this, dude. Like absolutely. It's shit that you can't even imagine. Because I used to think, like, you know, why can't people just be content with where they're living? And, and like, why do they have to go invade other countries? Because you know that when you do that, you're going to end up. I mean, possibly that's human history is divide and conquer, right? All human history. All human history from the jump. Divide, conquer, divide, conquer. Oh, and I mean, we're still looking to. Like, like we mentioned earlier with energy and the, the, the energy dominance that the United States wants to have. It's it's nuts. You cannot blame people for just their color of skin. And for I, I've seen too many of these posts where it's um if you say all lives matter, like like they'll say Did you see you know, that lady got murdered for saying that the other day? Go into I, I did not know somebody got murdered. There was a lady who on the street got into an argument with an African American group of people, I believe. And she said all lives matter. And then they got in an argument and they departed. And as she was walking away, one of them shot and killed her. She was just like a 30 year old mother, I believe. And so like saying all lives matter, like I I understand the argument behind it, but like, why are we killing people? No, there's no, well, no, there's no argument, Brayden. There's no argument because the fact that you have, obviously when you're underneath the black lives matter movement, you have, you, if you are a person who's not racist, you're also under the all lives matter movement. And you can't be upset when people say all lives matter because God damn, 
You know, you have to realize it. If you're categorizing certain people, like you yourself are the problem. Yeah, definitely. You have to be, if you're not racist, you're an all lives matter person. And I, I was mentioning to my girlfriend, it's like, we're going to have to go through our entire lives, I feel, from here on out, where it's like, where it's in this constant explanation of what you believe in and, and how you feel. And if you don't, if you're not careful, you're not precise, you end up just like that woman, you know? But at the same time, that woman's got to get out of that situation. You know what I mean? Like, the, I, if I was in that situation, I probably wouldn't say it just simply because I know what's going to happen. But you, sh- you should say it, though, right? Okay. Do you I'm going to get shot. Woman, I don't want to do get think, shot. Do you think this woman crossed the line, though? I feel there. I absolutely do not feel like she crossed the line. I, I, I haven't seen. I don't know if there's a video of it. All I, I wish know there is. Reported, she said it. I wish there is. Then they shot her. I, I hope there's a video out there showing the whole conversation. Because if not, now we're talking about this, right? And like, what if she. What if you she know, said, was, said, called him the N word or something and tried to something ignorant, right? Something along those lines where it's like, shit, now you're, now you're crossing the line. You know, it's, but, you cannot, like I said, I'm going to say it one more time. If you are a black lives matter person and you are not racist, you are underneath the umbrella of all lives matter. I was talking, oh, here's another thing I talked to, to Cameron about. I was like, is it wrong to say that you don't see color? We had this debate because I believe in my eyes, right? Without explanation, I should be able to say I'm a person who lives not caring what color I see. I like, I don't see color. And I feel like that should be automatically like, okay, this guy gets, it, you know, but like, how do you feel about it? Because she was the complete opposite. Well, I've, I've seen a lot of, uh, People like on, on Twitter, if you go on there and you say all lives matter, or if you go on there and say color doesn't apply to me or like you don't think of color, then they just attack you and call you racist. And it, it's so counterproductive. It doesn't make any sense. I agree with you completely. Like that's not like if you're if you're a part of Black Lives Matter, saying all lives matter is a good thing because that means we're saying everybody counts. You know, so I don't I don't see the divide there. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I don't know if you saw this on Instagram today. Um, this is like part of the problem. Like you can see it. it says mute white people. That's one of the Instagram stickers today. And this is what's going around. There's, there's so much division and so much identity politics going on that we're going to literally replicate what happened in the Soviet union based off what I've been learning. We've got to stop labeling people by their skin color and we've got to label them by their character. Like Martin Luther King Jr. said. I think right now is the perfect time to go into the documentary that you uh, provided me. When I first had talked to you over Xbox, you were like, we had had that hour long conversation. You said, uh, there's this great documentary that came out. The title's Uncle Tom, and it just came out in 2020, and you let me watch it. And my initial reaction to it was like, there's those outliers, bro, where it's like people that aren't affected by the stigma that a lot of black people have in this country. What I saw a lot of was people of uh, black people who were just generally good people of character who were motivated and wouldn't let anything set them back. Now I'm saying there, there should be a lot more people that see their message and are like, okay, like I could be a person who believes in these, in this point of view and still be a great hard worker 
live a life free of any racial division. Cause all those people, they, they said that they didn't start getting like fought back against until this whole Donald Trump coming into office. I, I, I wish I would have t- spoke to you when I just watched it. A lot of things were fresh in my head, but what were your thoughts on the uncle Tom documentary? The Uncle Tom documentary really opened my eyes as a Republican because one of the main things to highlight in there is how Republicans don't reach out to black communities at all. You remember that part? Yes. They talk about how the Republican Party is bad at messaging to them because we just assume that they're a monolith. 95% of them are going to vote Democrat. Don't even try. That was one of the things that really opened my eyes. Like, wow, the Republican Party really needs to actually reach out because some of the points they make in that movie is, you know, a lot of the African American community actually is conservative when it comes to like uh family values um like they believe in the family you know Um, yes but one of the biggest things that that whole movie showed me was how hip-hop culture has destroyed black culture okay elaborate elaborate because i i I remember this part but i want you to speak your point yeah so take for example you got trevor noah do you remember the part with trevor noah and ben carson yes so you've got Ben Carson, okay? He is a brain surgeon, the first African-American to ever perform brains. Actually, the first person ever, I believe, to perform surgery on conjoined twins. Yes, he was. Ben Carson was. Why is Ben Carson not celebrated in the black community? Instead, Ben Carson is made fun of relentlessly by everybody on the left. You got Trevor Noah going in there just making fun of how Ben Carson says the word, I think it was, uh, ghetto. He's like, are you making it ghetto? And they're all just making fun of him. It's like, Ben Carson should be celebrated like that man has done enormous, incredible things, regardless of if he's a Republican or not. Ben Carson did amazing things and you guys just trashed him. You told him he wasn't black. You told Kanye West he wasn't black. You guys, like they, The problem is they're literally just removing the black. They're saying you're not black if yeah. you are a conservative. And Joe Biden literally just Joe said Biden that said that. He yeah. said that. That's and that's that's the problem is. We've got to get out of this mindset that black people are owned by the Democratic Party. They're not. Black people should be able to think freely. And that's the the whole point of that movie is the hip hop culture has completely destroyed any free thought within the black community. Like they're they're voting like 90 percent or higher for the Democratic Party. And that's that's not seen in any other demographic. No, and I I think it's seen the most in um, in the Democratic primaries where. You you have all these Democratic primaries that take places in in place in South Carolina, uh, Alabama, Missouri. I think it was those three states, majority African black states where you know people are Democratic. They all voted Biden, al- completely eliminated um, Bernie Sanders from contention. I, I in in that movie it, it was just. I I think when I was speaking to you at the beginning, I feel they played it too much that like these people have good old fashioned American values and they missed more of what you were just talking about. Like there was like these points in times where I'm like, you guys are making excellent points and striving for excellence. But then at the same time, there was like a moment where I'm like, we're kind of like, you're, you're overplaying that. Like they're completely different. Obviously if you're an African American person, you can still believe in the hip hop community. You can still um, enjoy that part of black culture because what I saw from a lot of those people, it's not that they completely canceled black culture, but a lot of them were against 
you know, associating themselves with the black culture. It's actually the other way around. I think the black culture has disassociated them from the, the hip hop culture. Like if you, if you take Candace Owens or you take the, I don't know if you know who Kingface is. He was the guy wearing the MAGA hat conservative thug shirt. Mm-hmm. Like those people, they get, they, they talk about how they've tried and tried and tried to talk to the, their community, but they just get told they're not black. They get called uncle Tom. Like that's the whole point of the movie. They get called mm-hmm. uncle Tom. They get called Coon. They get called all these words just because they don't think the same way. And the movie's just trying to show that there's, there, there's a way there's a way to think that is not Democrat. Like you don't have to think this way just because you're black. And that's what the movie is trying to portray. And, you know, I agree. They kind of, they kind of show like how they're, they're really different from the community. But I also, I, I think that bringing on guys like King face, he, he used to be a, I don't know if you know any history on him. He used no, to be but I remember a, this was the buff guy, right? This was the really muscular guy. Uh, that's, I think you're thinking of uh, Brandon Tatum. He was the police officer that had the white yes. privilege shirt on. Yes. Okay. Well, he, he's really good as well. But Kingface is a guy. He was wearing the shirt that said conservative thug on it. Um, okay. I'm going to look him up right now. Keep going. He is a former, a, he's a former blood gang member. So he, he's from this community, like, like the, the gang life, the hip hop culture life. He's from that community and he's come out of that. And Basically, he's disowned by that community simply because he's a conservative. And this is the problem is these people are allowed to think this way. Like we can't, I, I think it's racist for the Democrats to think they own the black community. And that's what happens every four years is they play to their emotions. They say every four years, like you don't hear about black lives. Like if you go and look at the Google searches for Black Lives Matter, Every four years, it goes down and then it goes way back up election cycle. As soon as the election's over, it's going to disappear again. You will not hear about Black Lives Matter until 2024. I think they, they did a great job in the documentary of portraying how many Democratic policies have, Im- like, imp- have put a lot of Black communities in poverty. And that's, those are the points where it's like, you learn for yourself that, like, there's there's that fucking there's there was stop and frisk but the, at the same time there was clinton signing the 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 deals putting a lot of people in prison for low light or for low uh the hell was it for the drug offenses low level drug offenses and i i think this is a good time to bring up um trump's first step back can you explain that for the people so the, donald trump's first step back basically was um I don't know if Van Jones from CNN was even praising it. Um, but the first step back, I believe, basically helped thousands of mostly African-American, but not all, helped a bunch of them get out of prison um, early due to low, uh, low, uh, what's the word? Level, low level. Low level drug offenses. Um, so the first step back was basically criminal justice reform that not even Barack Obama performed. Like, like Donald Trump actually got together with Democrats and Republicans and they worked on this. And, you know, I, I think the first step back needs to be talked about more because it actually contributed to helping African-Americans get out of prison. Yeah. I, it, it's something that the left had talked about a lot leading up to the 2016 election with Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton had stated that she was going to be a person to have passed something similar along those lines of, I don't understand why Barack Obama never did because if Barack Obama was this president for the African-Americans, I felt really feel like he didn't do much for them other than become a black president. I feel like he kind of pushed 
didn't really do anything for him. And I think the Uncle Tom movie really shows that well. I feel at the point in time, though, wasn't the the Senate and the House mainly Republican? It was. Uh, I believe there was a point in time when they had full control, but I. Because that's where the pol- that's where politics gets really fucking just icky, you know, because obviously these presidents want to talk about all these different ideals and policies that they want to pass. But at the end of the day, it's got to make it through the House. It's got to make it through the Senate. Then it finally gets to their desk. And it's a long, arduous process, man. And I feel, you know, that's that's what will prevent us from being like Russia. I feel we have those checks and balances in place. To understand that, you know, it's never going to completely be a full majority just ongoing. I feel that there will come a point, right, where if the left keeps continuing to go down this extreme path, there will hit a point where people are going to be like, guys, let's open our eyes. Let's be a little more realistic. And I feel at that time, and this is just us, I I know you had mentioned something about um, Black Lives Matter becoming a party, right? Becoming its own political party. I feel you're going to have that. But at the same time, I feel another political party is going to come out where it's finally like the in-between like political party. In- I feel like there's a lot of disenfranchised Democrats right now that don't want the socialist communist policies of the left. You know, I feel right. like there's a lot of people like you that that are I, I feel like you. I don't know if this is accurate, but some of the things you believe the left is completely against um, mm-hmm. like the far left. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like the left has gone so far left that there's a lot of Democrats that are kind of floating here. Not really sure what's going on. Yeah. And that's, that's where I'm at. That's where I exactly where I feel I'm at because it's just, it's so much, man. It's so much to have people constantly pushing these extreme ideas and ideals. And, And if you're not, you know, you're the racist, you're the person that, that isn't it isn't seeing the full picture. And I, I pray to God, people, honestly, I'm going to break this podcast up in important segments. I feel we hit a lot of important ones. But at the end of the day, for people to at least listen, dude, is key. Because this, this is what changes America. This is what changes people's views and ideals. It's two people with slightly differing, you know, views of things. But at the end of the day, I think, I think we both agree that you know, we just want America to be the best it could possibly be. Because I, I, my biggest point was the immigration and me and you both agreed on that. You know, you explained the LGBT thing with your religion, completely understand that. You're, you're a good person, Brandon. And I, I hope that when you go back to, to school in the fall, you're able to, to talk to more people and at least inform them about the Republican Party. Maybe not as much as like, and not pushing the agenda, but you know, like you get people to talk to you. So what, what's the first step when you go back to campus in the fall? Um, probably try to get a, uh, like a group set up or a, a night set up where we can all meet up together. Um, one of the main goals actually of our group is to get everybody in the group registered to vote and getting students registered to vote. That's kind of the goal or the mission of the group. So probably the first step when I get back is probably just recruitment, getting people involved. Um, and, just getting as many kids to sign up to vote as possible. Okay. So this whole students for Trump organization, do they give you like, um, like a packet or ideas of how to, to go along and do this? Or are you kind of just left out on your own to figure it out? I've got advisors that I can go to and they sent us a giant box filled with 
uh, posters filled with things to hand out, filled, filled with. <laughs> Let's see oh, some, of this, some of this Trump swag. Go ahead. There is. We got these for our backpacks. Oh, I wish to focus. <laughs> there we go. Little students for Trump. Pin. Yeah, you can put those on your backpack. Yeah. So we got those, and then we've got little flyers we can hand out. Um, we've got posters that you can put out. Um, but they said they're actually going to be sending us out a pretty big kit here for the fall semester. So, um, but they also like the connections that they give you are great. Like I'm in a group chat with some prominent leaders of students. Trump. Like I don't know if you've ever heard of Evan Fournier. I think that's how you say his last name. Evan Fournier is actually the name of a basketball player. Does he play basketball? Is it Evan Fournier? Oh, Ryan, I think it's Ryan. <laughs> Not a Evan Fournier, I believe, played for the Orlando Magic like six years ago. Yeah, okay, it's Ryan Fournier, not Evan Fournier. Okay. I'm into the NBA, so that's why that was in my head. Okay, but, um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, Ryan Fournier. So like, I, like he, he helps us out. Like we can ask him questions. Like we have a group chat with, I have a group chat with, other students for Trump chapters all over the nation. And I'm becoming friends with these people. Like I'm in a group chat with like kids from Georgetown, Alabama, university of Miami. Like we're all in a group chat together. Um, are you guys going to, if, if Trump, if Trump wins in November, are you guys like going to plan like a fucking sick ass spring break in Fort Lauderdale? They've been, they've been talking about going somewhere cool. So I don't know. We'll see. Oh my God. <laughs> that shit. Oh, yeah, we'll just get called a group of racists by everybody, but right. Honestly, you got to maybe, maybe, uh, maybe really plan out the, event. maybe an indoor event. Let's not go outdoor. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody will say we're spreading COVID if we go indoor. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You guys have to wear masks. Hey, are there MAGA masks out right now? Uh, there, I see them on Instagram. Sometimes you can buy them. Yeah. There's MAGA masks, not specifically from the Trump campaign. But. Okay. So what, is there like stuff that is specifically made from the Trump campaign? Is there like a Trump place where I could buy like a whole bunch of Trump swag? Trump.com or something? I believe, I believe you can get Trump swag on, on their, whatever their website is. I don't go to it very often. I'm not, I'm not like a, so, I don't like worship Donald Trump. <laughs> does, well, would all those profits from that website like go to his campaigning and stuff? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and that's. I, okay. Believe, I think it's more when you donate to the campaign, you get like a hat, you get other stuff. Okay, do you get? Um, are you signed up for those political emails? Like, do you get a shit ton of those? Saying donate to the Trump campaign, and I, I'm. I mean, I've got. I'm signed up with the. I, in 2016, I donated to the Trump campaign, and so they've got all my information, but I haven't really gotten. I've seen a lot of stuff circulating on the internet, like where they're like going way overboard on it. I really don't know if that stuff's real or not because I haven't gotten any of it. Like it's real. Okay. I've been seeing a lot of Trump ads on uh, YouTube saying, do you approve of Trump? Do you know what, what do you know about that? Is that just trying to get polling? I really, I'm not sure. I think it takes you to their website and tries to get you to donate. I'm not sure. I, I haven't ever clicked on it, so I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. Cl- I, I might click on it today and just just fuck around with it. See see what is going on over there. So, last thing, okay, you're a jazz fan. What do the jazz need to do to to make it to the finals? What do the jazz need to do? Well, it hurts that they lost Boyan Bogdanovich. That was a big. He's out what now. Boyan. He's having. He had wrist surgery, so he's done. So we're gonna have to rely on probably Emmanuel Mudiay to pick up some minutes now. But for the Jazz to make it to the finals, they've got to have 
Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell healthy, obviously, if one of those two get hurt, it's it's basic. It's going to be tough for them to get to the finals anyway, just because of the injury of Boyan Bogdanovich. But I think the number one thing for them is just their defense. That's their identity. If they're able to lock down teams, and they can win games. Yeah, that that Frenchman in the middle is a fucking sure is a pure rim protector. I'll tell you that. Yeah. He, I think he's leading the NBA in blocks this season, and also coronavirus cases. Yeah, he got back to back deep boy. So he has a ba- oh back to back defensive players year. Yeah. Did he win it this year? No, no, no. He's going for it. He's going for he's going for the third one this year. Yeah. I find if you if you're leading in steals, I really have not heard anybody. But see, defense is a lost art in the NBA, dude. Yeah, I mean, it is. Teams want to go out and run and just outscore people. I feel that's what makes the Celtics dangerous. They actually play a little bit of defense. Who does? Uh, who do the Jazz look like they're going to have uh, round one? Do you know? Uh, right now, it's listed as OKC, but as as long as it's not Houston, I think they're fine. <laughs> Houston is that Jazz's crypt tonight. <laughs> Yeah, but dude, I feel I feel you get Houston at the right. Houston is so fucking spotty. I mean, they're a bad shooting game away from losing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, you, they got to be on. And I Definitely. feel like, what what helps the Jazz out a lot lately is they've got Jordan Clarkson now. Um, Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench has been huge. He is like their first twelve games with him. I think they went twelve and zero. Like he is infused that team. Like uh, coming off the bench, he, he's basically a young Lou Will in my opinion. Like he. He gets buckets every single night, no matter what. I get it. I get it. I get it. Lou Will's a fucking bold comparison because <laughs> I think he's a young like he he's gonna be the next like sixth man that goes throughout the league and is always a sixth man that kind of guy. But I mean, not like their game maybe, but he's the sixth man of the future. Okay, okay, I could see that. I I I um I really liked the Jazz I, when I watched him. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's rookie season, I believe, when they uh when he was in the playoffs and just doing insane, th- like I, I heard so many good things come out about that team. Like what's preventing the jazz from going over that hump? Like, what do they need? I think if they would have kept Gordon Hayward, <laughs> oh. if they would have kept Gordon Hayward and they could have had Mitchell Hayward go bear, I think that they would be probably title contenders. Um, what keeps them away, honestly, I, I'm not sure <laughs> it's, it's just the other team sometimes is just better. Like when Golden State had Kevin Durant, like no nobody was matched up with them. Like sometimes the Jazz just they're they're not quite there. But I honestly believe they could do it. Like if they get hot, they if they could especially with this Orlando restart. Like I yeah. feel like anything could happen down there. Like I feel like I something agree. could be sne- more sneaky than they would be before. I agree. I definitely see them getting through OKC in the first round. I mean, I know that there's been that rivalry. I think uh I used to love the Russell Westbrook and okay. So you, you, have you been to a playoff game um, for the jazz? Yeah. And have you been to one where you guys are playing against OKC with Russell Westbrook? Oh, I've heard stories. <laughs> I know Russell Westbrook has problems with Utah. He does not like it here. <laughs> I've heard stories about this. Man. I've been to a jazz OKC game when it wasn't playoff. though. And they had Russ. When was it back when they had KD too? Or no, it was just Russell Westbrook. It was okay. the year that it was just Russell Westbrook carrying everybody. Yep, he did everything. He did. He actually, he actually buried the Jazz that game with the game winner. I remember it. Oof. Was it? <laughs> hmm, I'm trying to remember. I probably, if I saw the highlight, I'd be like, "Oh, I remember the Jazz, man." Donovan Mitchell's amazing. I find it they like, like just like the Jazz, they're like so many teams that just aren't popular enough or can't afford like 
those the top 10 players you know what i mean and those are the ones you need to even be prevalent or at least have a shot yeah and you know that's why i think having mitchell's huge because he's got an opportunity to become one of those players i mean he's he's only in his third year you got to realize that like this man is he's very young so and the jazz are about to lock him up on a once he's done with his rookie deal they're gonna lock him up probably six more years so yeah no i it's either i i am a firm believer that teams get better through free agency not through draft picks i pray to god that you guys don't well the thing is right if you fall and you end up getting those um earlier draft picks you know you can trade those off for the you know the the big time deals but yeah you guys are just that one piece away i believe shooters you need like boyan you put someone else out there with him that can he was dropping 20 a night this season that that lost huge yeah yeah man and there's no way i i feel if you guys would have kept gordon hayward you guys might have contended a little a little tougher but he's a celtic at heart baby he's a nice little white guy he kind of looks like a leprechaun like a tall leprechaun that's my boy i brayden i fucking damn near cried i was watching when i was watching the very first celtics game him and Kyrie were playing and man, I'm like in my dorm and I wasn't in the dorm room. I was at the dining commons at UNLV and I told my girlfriend, I like nudge her. I'm like championship team right here. Nobody's stopping them. Right. Next play alley-oop to Hayward fucking snaps his leg. And I'm like, Oh, there it is. There it is. But then I was still hopeful. Then I was still hopeful. I was like, we got Kyrie. We got young Jason Tatum. And then Kyrie is of, he is cancer. Kyrie is can't he is going to lose the Nets the championship. Mark my words. He's not as good as Steph. And people need to realize that. Like that Nets team is nowhere near as good as that Golden State team was. Complete opposite. You know, KD had people to bail his ass out nightly and and have the actual ability to do that. Kyrie is good in spurts. And then the playoffs come and then Kyrie. 16 was incredible though. Yeah, but I mean, who who carried him there? The greatest player of all he, time. I mean, he he was dropping. He and that I think it was game game five or game six. He, he put in forty a night. He was dropping forty points. He had some incredible plays, and he hit that three pointer over Steph in game seven. Yeah, yeah, but see, that's that's part of the spurt there. Yeah. My my my. Like he can't be the guy. There's got to be some. Yes, my love for Kyrie Irving was just it quickly dwindled after I saw him go seven like him. for. 28 in multiple playoff games. I was like, oh, well, you're not I'm it. I'm happy the Celtics obviously. didn't do well because I don't like Gordon Hayward now. So <laughs> <laughs> he is a traitor, bro. Everyone was like, that's a little Utah boy. He's fucking right at home. Rudy Gobert was posted on his story like the, that song, These Hoes Ain't Loyal, and he was vibing to it as oh Gordon Hayward God. left. Everybody's that's great, bro. That's great. I, it's going to be tough them. for them to do it. Who do you see in the NBA Finals? You want me to be biased or do you want me to be serious? <laughs> I want you to be serious. Don't tell me the fucking jazz are making it. <laughs> um, you know, I'll probably, it's probably going to be LeBron and the Lakers versus, I'm going to take Lakers versus Bucks. Okay. Okay. I, I want to see LeBron Giannis finals. I think that'd be, I think other than it, other than the jazz, if the jazz aren't going to make it. Yeah. A LeBron, a LeBron Giannis finals sounds a lot better than a Donovan Mitchell Celtics finals. Sounds better. I, I'll take it. Hey, Mike Conley, baby. <laughs> you, Mike Conley? Yeah. 
Who the fuck is Mike? Mike? He's on the Jazz. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I lost track of Mike Conley after he went Mike, to uh, Mike Conley's on after Utah. he left Memphis. Yeah, that's where he went to Utah. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't remember. I didn't see a lot of Utah be, games this last year. I'm gonna be so chilling, Mike, baby. <laughs> chilling, Mike. He's a good point guy. I forgot you guys had him. He's solid. Yeah, he is. He, he kind of had a struggle this year. But but adjust before coronavirus started, he started having a few good games. If you want to see a game, good game of him in the Jazz uniform, it when they beat the Celtics on the road this year, that was probably his best game. Uh, we probably we were probably sitting out our best players. I got to look into that. Tatum, Tatum, <laughs> Not everybody. Tatum was there. Tatum was there. Tatum Brown, Kemba was there. Kemba, oh, man, I'm excited to watch him. I'm excited to watch him in the bubble. This Celtics team is fucking. It's they're loaded for a finals run. It's just stopping Giannis. I feel they can get to that series with them, but if you don't stop that insanely, Giannis, Giannis might go down if he incredible. gets a shot. Giannis is on pace to be the greatest player of all time. Yeah, he's still, he's not even in his prime yet. He's thoroughly unstoppable. Like, I, I wish I would have been old enough to watch a, a young Shaq. I was like three years old at the time. But like, I, I feel he plays like a faster young Shaq, like a, a Shaq that could handle. Yeah. Because has he shit on Rudy Gobert? Like, have you seen a couple of those matchups? Giannis? Uh, when the Bucks came to Utah, Rudy actually swatted the heck out of Giannis. <laughs> That's one of the highlights of the season is Rudy Gobert taking Giannis out. Um, Giannis actually struggled really hard against the Jazz in one of their games. Years. Well, it's because Boy, Boyan hit a buzzer beater over them too for the win. No shit, man. I gotta. I I think when I was making the prediction, no, I didn't because I did like an NBA prediction thing. I don't think I highlighted the OKC Jazz series. But you, you're changing my mind a little bit. OKC with CP3 is like a, a really good young team. They got, they got pieces in certain areas. I think Steven Adams and Rudy would be an amazing thing to watch. Yeah. That's going to be a good... Uh, Never good forget team. about Joe Ingles either. Don't forget about the dad. <laughs> you, you fucking are related to Joe Ingles. You look similar to him. He's from Australia. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> not even close, mate. <laughs> Brayden, it's been a pleasure, dude. We've almost gone two hours, man. I, I thoroughly have enjoyed your conversation, man. If the, um, I feel I should have you back on like right around election time. If there's a debate, we got we to gotta chat about it. Absolutely. I'm totally done. All right, Brayden. I'm going to leave you this time right now. Shout out to anybody you want to shout out. I always do this for my guests. Shout out. Okay. Um, I just want to shout out uh, the Raging Patriot. <laughs> everybody for the Raging Patriot. Um, Everybody should go follow the Raging Patriot on Instagram at that, the Raging Patriot. Um, if, you, if you are a Trump supporter or you want to see kind of what the Trump supporters are, are thinking, I'd recommend looking us up on Instagram and checking out what we say and actually reading it. Because actually, we actually fact check our stuff a lot harder than maybe even the New York Times does. Um, so I, I would I want to say go follow the Raging Patriot and you can awesome. keep up with kind of my beliefs and how, how we're thinking. I think that's perfect, man. I, I think. This conversation is one that will uh, kind of get my podcast to jump. I, I, I feel I'm, we're good at, at conversating, bro. I feel like we got good questions. I need, I need you to push this for me, Braden. I'll do my best. I'll push try to this get on your page, dude. It's important I'll, for I'll people. I'll see what I can do. I'll see if All we can get it. Maybe I'll write an article about it. And I've got an article to post tomorrow. Maybe I'll, I'll when you really have the video ready. By tonight, tomorrow? Tomorrow. Okay.
more realistic. If not, I have an I post I have articles Tuesday, Friday, so I can write an article about our conversation on Friday. If not. That would be amazing, man. I It'll would get greatly posted out to our 120,000 followers plus. We got Twitter, Facebook that has like 5,000. Our reach, I believe, is about because we've got other pages that our owners have. Our reach is about two million right now. Wow, wow. We had two million hits on our website the first two months. So Jeez, we're growing pretty fast. Yeah, man. Well. Good for you, Braden. You're doing a lot of good things, bro. I hope you stay healthy. I know you're back in your college apartment, man. That's good. I'm glad to hear that everything's starting to come back to some normalcy. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you, partner. I want you to have a good day, all right? All right, you too. See ya. Yep.